welcome to Stefan Levera podcast, a show about Bitcoin and Austrian economics brought to you by Swan Bitcoin. Today, I'm talking with my friend Wizard of Oz from Australia. Now, I've known him for a few years from the Australian Bitcoin scene, and we're talking today about the Bitcoin Bush Bash, which I think is an interesting and different model for Bitcoin conferences. It's obviously a much smaller scale, and we're not attacking uh, the other large Bitcoin conferences out there. I just think this is an interesting model that might be worth considering for people around the world as to whether you might want to replicate this model for smaller events and get-togethers to help grow the Bitcoin community. Now, the show is brought to you by Swan Bitcoin, and they make a range of Bitcoin education available for free. So, for example, Inventing Bitcoin by Jan Pritzker. This is a fantastic book that explains Bitcoin's technicals in a non-technical way. You can get through this book in about an hour, maybe two hours, and it's available for free at swan.com slash free book. Swan makes a range of services available for customers, whether they want to stack sats, whether they are a business, whether they want to use the Swan IRA product, or whether they are looking to give the gift of Bitcoin with Swan's gifting program over at swan.com slash gift. Green is Blockstream's industry-leading Bitcoin and liquid wallet. You can gain access to powerful features such as multi-signature security, full node verification by connecting to your own Electrum server, or Tor support. Blockstream Green has the option of multi-signature or single signature. You can have the option where Blockstream stores one key on their servers, and this gives you the ability to have two-factor authentication applied to your wallet. Now, you also have time locks or a third backup key to ensure you still retain full ownership of your funds. And Blockstream Green is integrated with hardware wallets such as Blockstream Jade, Ledger, and Trezor. So there's a range of features. It's available on multiple platforms such as iOS, Android, or desktop. So you can get this over at blockstream.com green. And as I've mentioned before and on Twitter, BTC Prague is coming up in June of 2023. I'm really excited for this. It's going to be a huge Bitcoin event in Europe, probably the biggest. They're looking to have around 10,000 people ranging from fresh newbies to Bitcoin whales, business insiders, developers, and everyone can get connected together for a unique networking opportunity with more than 60 world-class speakers and 100 companies to ensure this will be a very educational and also fun Bitcoin event. I'm going to be one of the hosts. I'll be an MC for one of the days, and I'm really looking forward to going to Prague. It's a fantastic city, really beautiful, and a great place to travel, very accessible for anyone in Europe and very affordable also. The tickets for this conference are also pretty affordable. You can get them over at btcprague.com. Use the code Levera for a discount. And of course, there's a further discount for paying with Bitcoin. I'll see you guys in Prague in June 2023. And now onto the conversation with Wizard of Oz. Hey, Wizard of Oz. Welcome to the show. Thanks, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Always good to talk with you. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I've, I've known you for years now and uh, I know you're doing a lot of great things in the Aussie Bitcoin scene and yeah just wanted to get you on and chat about the Bitcoin bush bash and you know just kind of what's happening so yeah maybe tell us a little bit about how how you got involved in you know in the Bitcoin scene in Australia uh, well I guess I had the the very typical uh, Bitcoin Genesis story of um, ignoring it uh, early on sort of 20 I read the wide article in what was that 2011 2012 probably read another article later, had a look at the Dow in about 2015 or 16 or whenever they started talking about that and um, was busy with um, running a business and raising a family and uh, it passed me by and then 2017, lots of media attention and moon juice and oh look, I can make some money out of that, buy some money. 
And then uh, after about a year, I figured out that Bitcoin was a bit bigger than that. Uh, the shit coins were shit coins, dumped all <laughs> the shit coins I had into Bitcoin and uh, just focused on Bitcoin ever since. Fantastic. Yeah, and I know you've been obviously around the Bitcoin meetup scene and a community organizer yourself. Uh, and yeah, I wanted to chat about the Bitcoin Bush Bash because I think this is a really interesting model. Obviously, I've had the pleasure of attending some Bitcoin Bush Bashes myself. Uh, I think this is something that the, the global scene could actually, maybe there's something to learn here or things to adapt and uh, take and make their own. So do you want to just tell us a little bit about the Bitcoin Bush Bash? Like, what is it? Yeah, well, maybe maybe if I tell the genesis story of the uh, of the bush bash, yeah. which um, which kicked off in November 2020. So um, I had the pleasure of meeting you at first at uh, Bitcoin Sydney, and when I used to travel up and down to Sydney for work, and then one of the one of the other people, uh, a couple of the other mates that I met there, um, Odlon comrades and uh, Sir uh, Sir Hugh, who live in Canberra, we sort of kept in touch and got a bit closer, being uh, three of us being old dogs and then covid came along and we all got we all got locked down or let out depending on which state you were in except for queensland where i live god's own country um they sealed <laughs> the borders and wouldn't even let us travel to other parts of australia wouldn't let anyone else in either and then it got to about october there was a hint that the queensland premier was going to open the border and i and i rang up Hodelon comrades and i said Mate, it has been far too long since we've had a good chat about Bitcoin and a few beers. Where's that place where where uh, you and Hugh go to get away from your wives and play golf and drink beer? And he said, uh, Murrurundi, where the heck is that? And I looked at the Google Maps and funnily enough, it was about halfway between uh, Canberra and Brisbane. And uh, so I said, well, on the basis that the borders open at on the, at the start of November, let's uh, let's meet for the weekend on first of November, on the first weekend in November, and so that was the end of the conversation. We both committed to doing that. Blow me down. A couple of days later, old mates registered a website, BitcoinBushBash.info, popped up some basic information about the accommodation, um, small country town options, and tweeted it out. And he said, you know. We're going to have a Bitcoiner weekend. Uh, all Bitcoiners welcome. Uh, drop a note to Wiz or myself and uh, let us know if you're coming. And holy dooly, I don't know what it was, but I guess everyone had been locked down and starved of meetups. And uh, so I started getting all these messages from randos all over the uh, all, all over Twitter. And um, that was all great. And then someone, about a week out, someone said, are there going to be any presentations, Wiz? I went, oh, that's a good idea. We're been playing with a few things and asked around and a few other people had ideas about things to talk about. And so the weekend rolled around, first weekend in November, and about 20 people said they'd come and about 40 people turned up, which was pretty atypical for event organising and, and a whole lot of fun. Um, it was also the, we had a nine hour drive down from Brisbane uh, and that nine hour drive was the period where Bitcoin uh, pumped from 13,000 US where it had been stuck for what seemed like months um, back in 2020, up to 15,000. So spirits were high uh, and good times were there to be had. And yeah, it was a great, it was a great kickoff. But I guess the things that we started with, which were sort yourself out for accommodation and travel, 
we're not here to handhold you. This is where we'll all meet up and we'll figure out who's presenting in what order when everyone gets here. And it's a little bit like trying to get a Bitcoin core change through. We figure it out as we go along. And sometimes there's a bit of argument about it, but it all seems to work. So, yes, yeah, so I think it's, it kind of has this uh, decentralized spirit to it. And perhaps that's something that sets it apart from other Bitcoin events. Now, I'm not hating on uh, larger professionally produced events at all. I think there's, a, there's space for different kinds of events. Um, but I think this is an interesting model that might be worthwhile exploring. And you know what? And It could also be that there's a life cycle to these things as well, that things start out as more like casual style events. And over time, they grow and they become these larger events. Um, but at least with Bitcoin Bush Bash, it seems that uh, there are a few ideas that people talk about and joke about. So one idea I recall is this joke of a, a commitment filter, the idea that because it's in some random town in Australia and it takes time to get there, the kinds of people who turned up were some of the best Bitcoiners. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, the, so that, that was kind of by accident at the beginning and then it's become by design. So at that time, at the beginning of November, uh, none of the Victorian Bitcoiners could come. Uh, their, state was, their state was still, still sealed off. And we all had such a good time that, that there, was a, there was a definite desire for more. So I said, well, let's, let's hold one in Victoria in the autumn after the summer in March-ish pick a, and, and do the same thing, pick another small country town. And we did that for a number of reasons. Um, firstly is it does provide that commitment filter that you talk about in the sense that you have to want to go. There is a bit of a commitment to travel. You can't just fly in or get the train around the corner. or So it filters out all the tourists and it filters out all the shit corners. And the people who want to come uh, are there because they want to come. And so those, all of the conversations that I've had there, and I think this has been reflected by many others and probably yourself, they're all high-quality Bitcoin conversations. There's a lot of steel sharpened steel and a lot of people who know a lot more about Bitcoin than everybody else there, and we all share and learn from each other. Yeah, that's great. And so in your eyes, what sets this apart from other Bitcoin events and conferences, the Bitcoin Bush Bash? Yeah, there's a couple of things. Um, so one is it's always in a remote and regional location, um, and we have three over the course of the year, one in the spring, which we've just had in Murrurundi in the upper Hunter Valley, one in the autumn uh, in Beechworth in northern Victoria, and one we've had until recently in the winter in Yapoon in last weekend in July, but we may actually have up in Cairns this year. Um, and we do that for all you poor Southern socialists who get stuck in the winter and uh, need a break of sunshine. The things that make it a little bit different, I guess, there's no registration, so there's, it's KYC free. Uh, there's no cost, which means that it's open to everyone. There is a bit of a pain in terms of uh, organizing to get there but carpooling has become increasingly popular and there's a lot of there's a lot of respect in terms of its Chatham House rules so you can speak freely in the knowledge that conversations are not going to be shared outside the group in the time so that that time where we had the 44 gallon drum of KY jelly and the drench gun 
we, we don't talk about that <laughs> That's o- right. outside of those those who were there that time, That's Stefan. Right. You know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I, I know with the Chattermouth rules thing, I, the other idea is that people can talk about an idea but not attribute it to that person and say, oh, look, this guy was trying to raise the block size or something, right? Um, so I, I find it really interesting because – that's a really good way for the community to build. And whether that's people in the Bitcoin Sydney group and the Bitcoin Melbourne chat and Bitcoin Brisbane chat, and they're all, they've all got their own Telegram or Telegram rooms or other chat groups and people are sharing uh, and carpooling and all of this. So that's really cool. I also find it, it's, it's very cost effective because it's just like a very low cost event. But it, put it this way, the expectations are lower. Right, because instead of saying, "Oh, this is going to be a big conference with a video live stream and a this big, you know, hall and a this big, you know, etc." There's all these aspects to it that raise the cost dramatically. Whereas if we just lower our expectations a bit and keep it more as a quasi decentralized community gathering, then there's a benefit to that, isn't it? Hundred percent. And the the cost factor uh, is close to zero. So the very first one. The Railway Hotel uh, in Murrurundi kindly gave us the use of the the beer garden and the, the back part of the hotel where we held all the presentations, so it was zero cost. In return, they got uh, about 40-plus people who turned up, ate every piece of steak in the hotel over the course of the weekend, drank quite a bit of beer, but probably did they probably did more business in that weekend, especially after you know six months of lockdown and restrictions than they'd done in the previous month or maybe more. And so that generates a lot of goodwill. As we've gone forward, we've needed slightly bigger, bigger places. So I think the last bush bash we had um, last month, that was 70 people and about 30% of them were new first time to the bush bash. And that was the same in Yapoon back in July. So about 60 people there and about a third of them were new to the bush bash. I think the fact that no KYC or no no need to use real names has attracted a lot of people who've not come to Bitcoin meetups at all before, and there are several I can I can think of people who just you know sit quietly and watch on Twitter and learn and read, or uh, perhaps have had Bitcoin for a long time and have held it very quietly and privately, uh, and they've come along and had the joy of meeting and connecting and talking with other Bitcoiners without having to do that publicly. And that's widely respected and appreciated. Yeah. And I think there are perhaps opportunities here for people who want to do community building that it's just set a lower bar, right? Like, so instead of thinking that, oh, we've got to have all these fancy things and we have to put put in all this money to pay for international speakers and all like it's like just use the speakers you have locally right like have people locally just come up with a presentation have people locally run a workshop and really grow it have it homegrown i think that's that's perhaps one aspect of it i think the aspect also of going to let's say a smaller remote town it tends to mean the food and the drinks and the accommodation are cheaper too so that's also perhaps a bonus factor there for attendees so it's kind of like there's a commitment filter in that you have to get there but the actual cost of drinks and food and all that is actually relatively low compared to the big cities right very much so and we carefully choose the time as well as the location so the timing is to avoid uh, university holidays school holidays and big public events so for example 
the next Bush Bash is in Beechworth in the last weekend in March, and that's prior to the Easter holidays, so there's no school holidays. So we're not contending with big events. That means for, the, for those small towns, 50, 60, 70 plus people coming into the town, buying breakfast, lunch, dinner, sometimes the occasional uh, frosty beverage, and uh, and pushing money into the town economy it is always well well regarded. I think uh, Huddle on Comrades did a rough calculation from the bush bash in Murrurundi last month. That was uh, that had grown to three days because Catan kindly ran a privacy and security workshop day on the Friday leading into the bush bash, and there were forty people who came to that, which was more than the number of people that turned up to the first bush bash. So. Uh, it's it's definitely growing, and his rough calculation was that it was about fifty thousand dollars that went into the local economy just from the bitcoiners turning up. So, the the businesses that we kind of tend to go to and meet at and uh, drink and eat at, um, they all know oh the bitcoiners are back in town, and so that that generates a very warm welcome as well. Yeah, that's great to hear. Um, and so can you tell us a little bit about structuring the weekend? So, you know, typically there might be some talks, there might be some, there might be a workshop, and then the Bitcoiners will get together for a dinner somewhere, maybe the night before or the night of. Can you tell us a little bit about how you structure that weekend? Um, so anyone listening who wants to, you know, maybe they're in some other country and they want to replicate this approach, do you have any tips for that? I don't know if they're tips, but I can tell you. I can tell you how we do it. So the the thing that I think is really important is that the set that that the presentation sessions only half of the value. So much of the value is just meeting other Bitcoiners and hearing and sharing your own stories and asking your own questions. There's a certain amount you can learn from podcasts and reading. Um, I think I remember the first time I met you, Stefan, I, I said to you, so I've been reading about this Austrian economics thing, but if it's a fixed supply, then how does pricing work? And, and you know, you, you explain that to me. So those that ability to ask specific questions, which often devolve into far bigger conversations, is a very large part of the value. So we don't tend to kick off, uh, we tend to kick off at about 10 o'clock in the morning, run for two to three hours, depending on how much uh, waffleage <laughs> there is, how, how much we keep to schedule and how much uh, conversation gets interesting. Generally have a convers- uh, have one and a half to two hours for lunch and then afternoon try and wrap up sort of five, five o'clock-ish uh, and then on to dinner. But I don't think in all the bush bashes, and we're in our third year now, in any of the bush bashes we've run, we've scheduled dinners or anything like that. Um, now I got the I got the great opportunity this year to finally go to Bitblock Boom um, in Texas, which was incredibly well run by Gary and his lovely wife, uh, and just extraordinary. I'm, you know, you've been there. It, it's a wonderful event, but just a very, as you said, just a different, a completely different structure. The Bush Bash. We try and get a. We ask for speakers if anyone's interested, and they often reach out to Hotline Comrades or myself, and we'll put those into a rough schedule. And then sometimes we tweet, tweet it out beforehand, which is appreciated. And other times life gets in the way, and we actually do it on the, mor- the, the morning of the bush bash. And I'll read out a list, and then we'll 
we'll figure out who has to leave when and and schedule the talks that way. So generally, the there's no problem filling two days worth of uh, presentations. We do a mix of presentations and panels, and sometimes just some straight Q and A. Uh, things like, what is Bitcoin to you, or what's the most important thing to Bitcoin as a as a conversation opener in the group. Particularly when there's lots of new people in the group, it allows them to get a feel for everybody else in the group and who thinks what, and not from a judgment perspective, but just from an understanding perspective. So we've also done workshops, uh, practical hands-on things like get some old laptops, pull the backs off, pull the old hard drives out, pull the Wi-Fi card out, put it all back together, plug it in, boot it with a Tails USB. Okay, let's fire up Tails. Let's fire up Electrum. Let's generate a key offline using Electrum. Okay, that key's never touched the internet. What do we do now? Oh, we can take the, the XPub, the ZPub. We can move that across onto an internet-connected computer. Okay, now we've got a we've got a good hodler wallet. The keys have never touched the internet. Just simple practical things that extend people's knowledge and skills in Bitcoin, which makes them more confident and gives them new ways of um, transacting, saving, and securing and thinking about things. Yeah, great points. And I think as we compare let's say the Bitcoin Bush Bash with some of the larger conferences, typically what we see in some of the larger conferences is almost like people will use the time together because they want to go out and network and chat with people because it's, it's an opportunity to, to actually meet. And so often it's a common thing. People will even not be watching the talks because they know they can watch them later. They're recorded, they're live streamed and so on. So, you know, and I'm sure you've seen that dynamic yourself when you've attended some of the larger events, whether it's Bitcoin Bush Bash or let's say Baltic Honey Badger in Europe. Oh, I know, you know, coming up is BTC Prague. That's coming up in June. So that's going to be another big one. But comparing bigger events with, let's say, the Bitcoin Bush Bash, I guess because it's a smaller event, you can just kind of have more of that time for the networking and just getting to know people. And as you mentioned, that interactivity, right? Because it's one thing to listen to a podcast. It's another to actually talk about those ideas and to debate and question and challenge each other and actually learn in that way. So there's um, a value to that also. So I think one other angle there is in terms of finding the right kind of location. So do you, can you maybe tell us a little bit about how you pick the right location to host this kind of event? Or well, I guess maybe start with the town and then, you know, actual venues or hotels. Yeah. So the, the towns, uh, I don't know how we picked them. Well, the, the, the first one, Murrurundi, uh, was kind of picked by a huddle on comrades the next one in victoria uh we wanted something regional and we picked beechworth because it's within 40 minutes of the new south wales victorian border and at that stage there was still quite a bit of uncertainty about borders being snap closed and opened and and by making it close to the border uh anyone who came down from new south wales if if we got short notice about the borders closing, then there was an easy solution to that problem, as unpalatable as it might be. Then uh, for the Queensland one, uh, obviously the most important <laughs> one on the agenda, um, given, it's, given it's the state I live in, we wanted, again, we wanted something outside of the capital city. And in the uh, middle of July, or late July is, of course, middle of the winter. Then that meant that people coming from the southern states were going to have to fly 
uh, fly up. Too far to drive, generally, although someone did drive up, a couple of days' drive. So we needed an airport or a regional airport, Rockhampton, Townsville, Cairns, uh, they all became candidates. Um, we didn't have one by the beach at that point, so, yeah, we decided to give you Punago. Uh, in terms of the venue, so we started in the back of the pub in Murrurundi. When it came to Beechworth uh, and subsequently to Yapoon is, and then back to Murrurundi, we've actually taken the step of hiring a community hall or a church hall for the weekend. And that's not expensive. That's tended to be sort of $300 for, for both days. And generally the church group is very happy to have the income and we're very careful to leave it exactly as we found it or in, in better condition, but you know, very neat and tidy which means we're always welcome back the subsequent year. And the first the first while or so, uh, the, the organisers just shelled out for that, wasn't expensive. And then very quickly, people who were attending offered to volunteer and pay, uh, which was wonderful. Uh, a couple of exchanges stuck their hands up, uh, often competing for it, which was lovely. But we didn't really want to go down the sponsorship route and... Thankfully, uh, that's when the Bitcoin Moon Fund, which is an Australian Bitcoin charity fund, was started, and they've they've kindly offered to pick up the uh, hosting for that in terms of paying for the venue, which again hasn't changed the expense. It's not a it's not a big drain on their funds, but it's greatly appreciated, and it means that we don't have any funds within the organisation. There's no formal structure. There's no incorporation, and therefore no money to manage. Uh, which also means that for everyone coming, there's no cost outside of their own travel and accommodation. Back to the show in a moment. Unchained Capital are known in the industry as a leader in Bitcoin security and helping provide multi-signature for customers. They have a concierge onboarding program, and now a new addition is the Unchained Inheritance Protocol to help make sure that you are prepared for multi-generational Bitcoin savings. These Vaults can help in an inheritance scenario where you can give your executor one key from a two of three vault. This inheritance protocol comes along with some step-by-step checklists, letters for the executor or trustee, inheritance seed phrase card, and also a tamper-proof bag. So if you're interested in this, you can go and sign up. And with Christmas coming up, it's also possible to gift the concierge onboarding program. So if you have family and friends and you want to help them take control of their keys, you can gift them the concierge onboarding program. That's all available over at unchained.com. When it comes to sending Bitcoin, I like to use mempool.space to check my transaction fee before I'm doing an on-chain transaction. Now, of course, mempool.space is built in with integrations with various wallets, but Checking on the website is a great way to do it also. You can self-host this yourself. It's a comprehensive multi-layer ecosystem explorer. It shows the mempool, the blockchain. It shows second-layer networks like the Lightning Network, and you can host it yourself. Now, if you are with an enterprise, mempool.space offers custom mempool instances with your company's branding. You can get increased API limits. The different tier levels have different levels of support or access to the team to build in support or priority for your features. So go to mempool.space enterprise. Coinkite.com have some of my favorite Bitcoin hardware devices, most notably the Cold Card Mark IV, the latest iteration of the Cold Card. It has all the features you need to secure your Bitcoin. You can use it as part of a single signature setup or 
upgrade to multi-signature. I also really like that it does not need to phone home to set up. You can literally plug it into a computer your own or you can air gap it, you can use NFC. It has all these features that you can use and it doesn't necessarily have to phone home to set up. So that's a really interesting feature and you can set it up without even plugging it to a computer by plugging it to the wall in terms of power. So the cold card is a fantastic device. For those of you looking for a cheaper option, there is the tap signer. That is a device around $40 and it can be used easily with with NFC and tapping on your phone also. You can get all of this over at coinkites.com. Use code Levera for a discount on your cold cards. And now back to the show. Great. Yeah, so I think those are a few good tips on cost effectiveness. And so I think what can happen on some events, this is, you know, commentary I've heard people say, or even people are saying, oh, look at the, you know, the production size or the value of this event. Um, but then the amount that sponsors are having to pay for a booth or things like this, it, it just becomes like a really, really big production. And so that's now to be clear, these are different models and different. Um, these are at different levels of size. Hundred percent. Right? So I've had the I've had the joy of going to both Baltic Honey Badger a few times and to Bitblock Boom, and they're incredibly well run professional conferences with just a stellar lineup of um, international speakers, both technical, philosophical, economics, uh, investment, projects, just fantastic high signal and, and the breadth and depth. I mean, uh, uh, you know, Baltic Honey Badger this year, two stages, eight to 10 hours a day, new speakers every 30 to 40 minutes. Um, it was an absolute avalanche of information and Yes, I spent plenty of time outside the hall talking with people because they were only there for a limited time like me, but uh, I can always go back and re-watch some of the the recordings. So it does keep keep everything very simple by not recording and live streaming. It also means that there's no cost component and also no privacy challenges. Certainly the, the big conferences typically require quite a bit of cash and finance behind them in order to book the venue. You've got issues of security, insurance, and then sometimes support for speakers uh, attending and a large amount of organisation. And both Baltic Honey Badger and Bitblock Boom do an absolutely stellar job at that. This is just a different thing. And part of what drives the ethos of the Bush Bash is that Bitcoin is bottom-up. It's community-driven. It's grassroots. So this is all of us doing the best we can with what we've got and learning from each other. Uh, I remember that first bush bash in Murrurundi. I'd been playing with Hoddle Hoddle Lending and I'd been playing with Liquid and you know a few other things. So I just did a, a little presentation on what I'd learned and it certainly wasn't for everybody uh, but a few people were interested and, and that's how we learned and then other people um, you know JP technology from from the Sydney group he he brought the blockstream satellite which we set up in the in the beer garden and Katan uh, got all that hooked up so there we were we had you know we had a, a computer hooked up to the satellite and used the the lightning messaging to send messages through the satellite and receive it on the satellite. These things are 
these were all things that Australian Bitcoiners did, came along, demonstrated, contributed, and that's how that's how things grow. It's not sophisticated, but it's effective. And so many people coming have made the comment that I've found my tribe. There's often a feeling of being, are we crazy? <laughs> Am I crazy? <laughs> now, that may be, but... <clears throat> But you and I are in the same tribe, Steve, Stefan, and so we're at least crazy together. <laughs> That's right. And I think the opportunity as well is that let's say somebody comes to the Bitcoin Bush Bash and then they take that learning and lesson back to their hometown and then maybe in their home meetup, now they're able to help educate somebody else or they're able to help coordinate another kind of meetup where maybe, okay, we're all talking about hardware devices and how to secure our Bitcoin or whether it's, you know, how to run your Bitcoin node or whether it's, you know, how to be private with Bitcoin. And, and there's all these different angles that people can take um, because of the connections that they made meeting someone at Bitcoin Bush Bash or things like this. So it, I think it's very useful for people to think about that, you know, so I'm not, you know, attacking the large conferences or anything like that. This is more like this is a separate model and it could be leveraged around the world in a very cost-effective way for local communities and local countries to build their own local scene so that they can have coverage across other topics and areas that maybe they would not have been exposed to if they were looking only in their local hometown meetup, let's say. Yes. So a couple of things there. One, we created a Bitcoin Bush Bash Telegram group, which is a private group, and you're welcome to be added to that if you come to a bush bash. So the only people in that telegram group are people that you've met or who have been to one of the other bush bashes in, you know, that you may not have been to. So the quality of the signal in the group is, is extremely high and the, the level of Bitcoin knowledge is uh, sensational. So people can definitely lean into that group with questions they've got. And they don't tend to be noob, noob questions. Um, they tend to be those tend to be more in uh, in your general Telegram chat groups, but within uh, if if you are going to run something like this, I'd recommend taking that approach. It means you get no spam bots, which is almost uh, almost unheard of, and you can keep in touch with people that you met. Uh, sometimes, certainly for this old grey head, sometimes it's a little bit confusing to keep track of the face, the Telegram handle and the Twitter handle and uh, figure out which ones belong to which, which is always which is always great fun. But certainly people in who've been to a bush bash have leaned into the group about starting local meetups, which is fantastic and something I'm very supportive and passionate about. At the end of the day, it only takes two. It's you, it's you and one other person. That's how the Bitcoin Brisbane meetup started. And that's a regular monthly thing, just like we have a cadence with the Bitcoin Bush Bash. And that's one of the key things, I think. Yeah. So how are you thinking about things like the free cost of time, right? So for example, a speaker's coming, that speaker, he has to prepare slides, a deck or, or something, so, you know, and even for yourself as the organizer for yourself and for Mr. Hoddle on Comrades, there's some organizational time and effort involved, right? Whether you maybe you're setting up a website you're doing a bit of organization, a bit of coordination. How do you think about that time cost for the organizers or for speakers or workshop facilitators? Uh, yeah, it's all it's all voluntary. So people are contributing that time because they want to. And to some extent, you can think about it as 
it's kind of a sunk cost fallacy in, in, in some parts, but also it's just utilizing what's already going on, right? I'm thinking about Bitcoin all the time, so I may as well just pop some of it down on some slides and maybe someone else will get some value out of it as well. But also, as you try and distill information in a way that can be effectively communicated, that really forces your own head to be very clear about what it is you understand. And you, I'm sure you found this experience from, from podcasting over the, over the years, is that when you're trying to teach something, it really forces out the things that you don't really know that you thought you knew. So it becomes a learning exercise in, in and of itself, at least, at least it has been for me. And I think for, I think for many others. And then those, those collection of slides uh, are happily shared around and they become resources for others to leverage, butcher, manage, improve, fix, um, extend and you know, carry forward. And that's, that's, I think, the essence of Bitcoin is it, it, is, it is bottom up. And having said all that, from an organizer's perspective, I actually apologized to everybody for the, for the lack of organization on the last one. Life had been a little bit busy. And a whole bunch of people stood up and said, hey, we can help with this, we can help with this. And so there's people looking after the agenda for the next Bush Bash. There's uh, people helping with the uh, Bitcoin Bush Bash tele uh, Twitter handle. And there's people uh, scoping out venues and uh, accommodation so that we're a little bit more organized there, which helps all the attendees. So, yeah, sometimes you just need to be smart enough to ask for some help. Yeah. And so that also brings us to that other idea around scalability, right? Now, of course, this started as a very small thing, as you said. It's just two guys, right? But how do you think about the scalability of this? And does this only work at a small scale? I'm curious what you think. I don't know, Stefan. Uh, I know there's been some recent discussion about you know doing a Bitcoin bush bash in the city, which was quite interesting. There was a lot of pushback on that. There has been a couple of other groups that have sprung up from this idea, one is the Western Australian Bush Bash, which spun up as its own thing. They held their first Bush Bash in, I think, October or November, October last year. No, this year, October. Yeah, for those of you who uh, don't live in Australia, Western Australia is a long way. It's a six-hour flight from the East Coast. So there are people who come from the West to the East. Pete Wynn, who's part of the Feddy team, he's been across and talked about Feddy and Feddy Mint at the Bush Bashes a couple of times, which was fantastic. And I'm sure there'll be a few people from the East who'll go across to the uh, Western Australian Bush Bash if it, if it continues. The Bitcoin Beach Retreat in the UK is also another one that came from this idea. Kind of came from an article that I wrote uh, after the first Bush Bash, which you and I were at, Stefan. And it was a nine-hour drive home and I you know, got lots of time to think and then I just sat down and wrote that article for uh, Citadel, Citadel 21. Uh, it's called Gather Your Tribe and it's constantly amazed me in Bitcoin. Sometimes you do these things or you tweet something out or you write an article or you present a topic and it has all sorts of ripples that you never see or only occasionally see. And yeah, the guys in the UK reached out and asked about running the how the bush bash run, and then they kicked off their own thing. And I, I'd love to go to the uh, to the beach retreat, which I think is held in Wales, and sometime sometime in their summer, uh, in northern summer. 
So scalability, does it get bigger, bigger or do they just get more of them in different places? I don't know the answer to that yet, but we're going to find out, I guess. Yeah, and you know what? Maybe that is the more Bitcoin decentralized way is to just <laughs> sprout up more of these in different states, cities, areas, regions, such that it just remains a small thing, but it is actually more decentralized in that way. So what's the feedback been from attendees? I know you maybe you touched on this a little bit, but if you could just explain what you know from a high level sense, what's the feedback been from attendees of Bitcoin Bushbash? Overwhelmingly positive. Uh, very friendly. I think I've made lots of friends from uh, going to bush bashes. People are generous with their time and their input, and that makes for that makes for a very warm reception in the sense that people have been prepared to travel, and therefore they're committed. Therefore, they're they're interested in having those conversations and learning and teaching. So. I guess the overwhelming key thing is that sense of finding your tribe, finding people that perhaps aren't in your small town or even in your city. You don't know other Bitcoiners. And now you're in a big group of Bitcoiners and for the whole weekend, they don't want to talk about anything else except the corn. They just want to talk about Bitcoin. And it's like, that's manna from heaven. You don't have your spouse or your friends rolling their eyes going, oh, my Lord, here she goes again. Oh, my Lord, here he goes again. We've heard it. Can't we just talk about the footy or something else? Just, no, no, let's talk, let's talk more about Bitcoin. It, <laughs> it's not late just because the pub's shut and it's 1 a.m. in the morning. Someone's got a bottle. Someone's got a bottle of something. Let's go. Let's, go and, let's continue talking and drinking and, and solving the problems of Bitcoin in the world. So... I think that sense of belonging, not being not not being crazy, well, not being completely crazy, or at least having other crazy people to hang out with, is a very is a very powerful thing because ultimately, Bitcoin is a is a social revolution. It's a social movement as a as a technical and a financial uh, revolution that only succeeds through people, and people only succeed through learning, education, understanding, conviction. And that's that's where I see the bush bash has been effective. And I think many of the other bush bashers uh, would probably echo that and many, uh, and many other different aspects. Um, certainly it's been a joy to have some great presenters come along. Um, I mentioned Pete Wynn before about Fetty and Fetty Mint, which is all very new. And we got, we got some very early... Uh, explanations about how it was how it would work and why why it could be good and you know a very long active q a discussion about the trade-offs and the downsides and the potential risks and very good strong open conversation we had young uh, nick farrow a coin joiner on twitter uh, presented the first uh, mainnet frost multi-sig transaction back in beechworth this year uh, which was pretty impressive because they'd only been testing it on testnet late the night before. Uh, and to his credit, he just stood up and he said, I'm going to demo this. Uh, it'll, it'll probably work, uh, but we've never tried it on mainnet before. Let's give it a go. <laughs> Fantastic. All worked like a treat. So there are, there are lots of people doing lots of important things, whether they're building applications like Vault Pay, 
uh, Tallage on Twitter. He's he's built uh, essentially a merchant application on mobile for accepting Bitcoin Bitcoin payments and making uh, and keeping keeping track of inventory. Whether it's the exchanges themselves, we haven't really encouraged to stand up and talk because their services, and we're not really interested in having sponsors or paid you know pay to play speaking slots. But there's usually people from most of the exchanges there and always happy to answer questions. And they, of course, themselves are Bitcoiners and just as interested in talking about Bitcoin as anybody else. Yeah, so maybe the point you're getting that there also is that it requires some level of curation and that's down to the organizer or the organizers to do that role of curation to sort of say, okay, this, is, this might be an interesting area. Well, let's get this person to talk, this person to talk. And then could you just elaborate on what kind of benefits you see for each local community coming out of that after the Bitcoin bush bash has occurred? Yeah, I think one thing that would be great to see is more orange peeling of the merchants that we spend money with in the various towns. And I don't think we've been very effective in that yet, usually because we're too busy eating and drinking and talking Bitcoin and and presenting. I think the economic benefit is, is probably the simplest and most straightforward one because we do try and pick a period that will be economically quiet for the town or the region and that means that you know we fill up for for Beechworth for example we usually fill up all the accommodation in the town and the restaurants are well patronized and the pubs even more so yeah and then in terms of each bitcoin meetup let's say um as an example do you believe the Bitcoin Sydney, Bitcoin Melbourne, Bitcoin Brisbane scenes also grow as a result of Bitcoin Bushback? Uh, yes, certainly certainly to some degree. We've certainly had people who turn up at the Bushbash who've never been to a meetup. There was one, one conversation I had in uh, Yapoon. Uh, old mate walks in, sits down, and I'm looking going, yeah, I don't think I've seen you before. And I've been to all the Bushbashes. <clears throat> and I you know, went up to him, shook his hand, welcomed him. And I said, oh, where are you from? And, you know, he told me and I said, oh, did you fly up? And he says, no, I drove. I went, that's a long drive, mate. He goes, yeah, it took two days. It's like, okay. And I said, um, <clears throat> first bush bash? And he goes, first time I've met other Bitcoiners, uh, first time I've been to any sort of Bitcoin gathering at all. It's like, oh, okay. And that's that's not a, that's not a unique story. And so... That sense of connecting Bitcoiners and giving them someone, uh, giving them other people that they can connect with has been immensely valuable, has been part of that feedback. One other area I think you've got some great insight to add for people, and you're, you're touching on this before, around when you take on the role as a presenter. So I know, for example, when you came down to Bitcoin Sydney back in those days, you, you actually did a presentation on the Lightning Network. And funnily enough, that same meetup, we also had Rusty Russell there as well. So he's, you know, for people who don't know, he's, you could arguably say he's one of the architects of the Lightning Network today. Um, he's working at Blockstream. He's been on the show multiple times. So I guess at some level, you might have been a bit, uh, maybe you, you were nervous or might be a bit embarrassed if you get something wrong in front of Rusty there. And um, But at the same time, I, I do want to point out that I think there are a lot of times where we as Bitcoiners, probably you, if you are listening to this show, there's a lot of things you know that average, like the, the average person has no idea. There's no clue. So there's a lot of benefit for people like us to be presenting, even about things that seem kind of obvious to us, 
but to the broader world, they have no idea. And so that's why there's so much value in people who are just being a presenter, even without necessarily being a world's foremost expert. I think that's very true. And yes, I, I remember that. I remember that evening and then finding out that Rusty Russell was going to follow along. I was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> but <laughs> thankfully, the presentation that I did about it was really about the basics of the Lightning Network, understanding <clears throat> uh, nodes, channels, transactions, uh, how how channels get opened and closed, the different types of nodes. The you know, what, what is essentially the basics of how Lightning works, without getting into any of the technical details of HTLCs and all sorts of other technical plumbing. Because if people un- ha- have an understanding they're often more confident. And I I certainly found that early in my Bitcoin journey. Um, I labored through uh, mastering Bitcoin from Andreas Antonopoulos. And then I subsequently read Inventing Bitcoin by Jan Pritzker. And that book, Inventing Bitcoin, which explains how Bitcoin works in a non-technical way, is one of the most valuable Bitcoin books for people like myself who've come from a technical space and therefore want to know how it works. And knowing how it works answers a lot of questions that inevitably come up. So the value of presenting, even on things that you think are basic, is often new information for many people who are sitting in the audience. And sometimes you get challenged, and that's great. Um, And that opens up the conversation. So I think the most valuable sessions in the Bush Bashers are the ones where there's audience participation and there's plenty of Q&A. And I always try and encourage that. Yeah, I think you make a great point there. And I think the other aspect of it is in the work that you do to create the presentation or the workshop, we end up learning a lot ourselves. And so it, it actually does benefit you, the presenter also. So I would encourage people out there, if you haven't done a presentation think about it like just go to your local meetup if you're if you're at the local meetup and you're saying hey why don't i do a presentation next time next month on lightning or on privacy or on whatever um whatever thing about bitcoin and you know you might find there's you actually learn a lot in that process so yeah i guess uh, do you have any other things that you think people should be doing in terms of the you know their local bitcoin communities uh, any other i guess closing thoughts for people uh, yeah so a few i think if you don't have a local meetup consider starting one. Uh, there is a little bit of, there's lots of upside. You get to talk with other Bitcoiners. Um, that's always fun. The way we did it in Brisbane was to, uh, we had a regular drinks meetup and we had it on a consistent day, I think the first Thursday of the month. And we did that for about six months and there was you know, a consistent group coming along and then we added in an education component. For people in Australia, uh, your public library usually has a, room or a presentation space and as long as you're not selling anything that's free to use so that's where we we exploited to you know have have sort of educational content and then subsequent to that then walked down the street and went to a rooftop bar and continued sort of more informal conversations the sessions don't always have to be you know powerpoint slides and uh, and presentations they can equally be just off the cuff conversation panel discussions or Practical things. Uh, we had we had one Brisbane Bitcoiner brought in a uh, brought in an S nine uh, an S nine miner and we set it up from beginning. You know, got it got an anonymous email on Proton Mail, signed up to Slashpool, connected to the miner, plugged it into the wall, 
connected to Wi-Fi, and then ran it. Thanks, Brisbane City Council. I don't think we actually mind any sats, but briefly <laughs> they were contributing to the global hash rate of Bitcoin, uh, which makes my heart happy. So it doesn't have to be sophisticated and flash. Ours certainly wasn't, and we've got a little bit, you know, we've all learned a little bit more about making organisations effective, and those things are typically cadence, communication, uh, and doing what you say when you're going to do it, and that gives people the opportunity to, to plan. Simple when you're single, when you've got small people running around and busy jobs, that tends to take a bit more scheduling, so that uh, that forward forward schedule and regular cadence is really helpful, I found. Give it a go. Downsides, uh, just be just be aware if you're going to stand up in, essentially stand up and out yourself as a Bitcoiner in public, as, you know, being, I'll be the dude wearing the Citadel dispatch hat in such and such a pub at such and such a time and place. You know, that does make you... That does make you stick out. Um, so there's a little bit of a balancing act to be had there, but it quickly becomes a group, and within a group, there's, a, there's quite a bit of safety, as uh, as most schools of fish will tell you. You don't have to be the fastest, just don't be the slowest. <laughs> great. Well, I think that's a great point to finish up. Uh, and Wiz, where can people find you online? Uh, my Twitter handle is BTC Shelling Point, so S C H E. Double L I N G P T. Yes, I do too much shit posting, but uh, Twitter is a Twitter is a wonderful resource to be used and abused as appropriate. Great, uh, and also Bitcoin Bush Bash. That's bitcoinbushbash.info. So yeah, thanks very much, and uh, hope to chat again soon. Thanks very much, Stefan. Been an absolute pleasure. So, what do you think? Is there some value to this idea of doing smaller, more decentralized, and low-cost events? I'm curious to hear what people think and to see if this model could be used in other places around the world. Of course, not detracting from any of the larger conferences, I definitely see a role and a place for those also. So let me know what you think. Get the show notes at stefanlevera.com slash 440 and I'll see you in the Citadels.